I've got an amazing team. They are the secret weapon for a location-independent business. If you're not going to have an office and staff, you need a team. But people who work just for you and are damn good at it, that's where you get wings for your business. We stand today. The Business Method. With a shout-out. The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, welcome to the Business Method Podcast, where we examine the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. Our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There is a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses, and we wanted to get behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build a business like this. We've had some incredible guests like Bobby Edwards, the founder of Squatty Potty, who built a $35 million per year company with just 17 employees, and JP Sears, the YouTube superstar whose videos are going viral all over the internet. I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and we hope you enjoy the show. The Business Method. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the show. Today, we are welcoming James Shramko, and James is known as one of the best business trainers out there in the world today. He came on the show last year and is back to share what he's been up to over the past year. On the show, we talk about a variety of things from his new book to productivity to the importance of building a location-independent business. What I really enjoy talking to James about is tribe building. James is an expert tribe builder. He has built top sales teams for BMW and Mercedes in the past and now he builds his own entrepreneur tribes with some very, very high caliber people being involved. I love this guy and I love getting an hour of his time. Oh, and a heads up, guys, this is a two-part interview. So this is the first half of James' interview and the second half will be published tomorrow. So be sure you check that one out as well. And without further ado, James Shramko. Entrepreneur's systems, methods, tools, and tactics. And podcast listeners, I am very honored and happy to welcome back to the show, James Shramko. James, how are you doing today? Great, thanks. Chris, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. And you're back in Sydney at the moment, right? Yeah, back in Sydney. I was last in the Philippines before that, so I've been back and forth a little bit. Um, so we had you on the show a little over a year ago, actually, maybe closer to a year, probably four or five months, a year and four or five months. And I was just listening to the episode and you mentioned that you were listening to the episode so you didn't repeat anything. But um, I, I'm just kind of curious, what have you been up to over the past year, year and a half or so? What's what's new on your plate? Uh, well, apart from a lot more surfs. A lot I'm more surf. Been, <laughs> uh, probably the major thing that I did since we last spoke, and I can see that you've been busy pushing out uh, quite a few podcasts, Yeah, is um, I did publish a book in December, and that went quite well. Yeah. And that's really allowed me to focus on my coaching community. So I guess the, the short answer is just more of the same, but refining the process and continually continually evolving and, and finding more leverage and um, updating my own knowledge base. And I've attracted probably the next level of clients to my coaching now since publishing a book and getting much clearer on 
who I like to work with. Now, I'm curious. This would be a great question for you. How old are you right now? Uh, 47. Okay. You know, you see the average person, how they go through their life and they, you know, get a job, have their career, then retire. And usually at retirement, they kind of, I wouldn't say decay, but stop evolving or stop growing in some form, maybe even before that. So people like us, like I always, like I love knowledge and I love learning. And you just mentioned, you know, over the past year, continue involvement. I'm wondering, do you think like for people like us that will ever stop, you think we'll will want to learn and evolve until the day we die? I do. I saw that in my grandfather, yeah, who was still a timber broker right up to the end in his backyard. And I learned a lot from him, actually. He was one of my inspirations for learning about telephone technique. Uh, but I do think this outdated idea of retirement, and it's pretty well popularized with the four-hour work week. It, mm-hmm. it is just that outdated. I think people stop, uh, you know, in their 60s and just pull up the recliner chair and, and pull it in front of a TV because they're just exhausted. Yeah. Uh, quite quite often their bodies can't survive. I've seen this in in my um, – the generation above me, like the parents group, and some of them are no longer here. And I think that's because they just wore themselves out. It was a different era. They, they put in the hard slog – they had the traditional life and I think we have the choice to do it differently and it's just an amazing time to be alive. I, I think with the internet, it wouldn't be possible to live exactly the same way that we can now and it comes with the good and the bad but I really do feel that we're in a good era and I, I'm actually thankful that I'm of the age where I did grow up without computers and phones for the most part. So I actually got to experience life pre-technology. Yeah, you know where you'd ride your BMX bike around at night until the lights come on, and um, kids had to actually play and and do other things <laughs> rather than just be glued to the telephone or a computer. And so I feel really blessed. It's the right age at the right time. Now, if we didn't have technology in our lives today, and you're still at this age. What do you think you would be doing? And you can't say uh, selling cars because I know you've done that and I had a lot of success doing that. Anything else? I think I would have gone down the path that I started when I wanted to break free from selling cars and that was running small workshops and training other people with skills. So probably sales training of some kind or business coaching, but it, it might be more localized if there was no internet. Gotcha. And I definitely started down that path. I mean, the first workshop that I ran was a sales training workshop for a customer while I still had a job. And the second workshop that I ran, the first one for my own business outside of the sales training was I ran a a publicly available workshop and wrote the sales page for it. A friend of, of mine, Sean, and I ran a sales training workshop. Our goal was to teach someone how to sell cars professionally from scratch and to place them in the industry. And we only sold two people at <laughs> 2,000 each. So there's four of us sitting in this very small room <laughs> at a hotel. We had the smallest room you could buy. And we split the proceeds. But I remember the writing of the sales page and turning up and running the event. And we placed both of them in the industry. And we got great results for them. 
but it was you know absolute micro scale of what I do these days. We, you know, times that by a hundred, and uh, we're more in line with the current model. But you know, you start off very small and humble. I say to people who I'm coaching, if you're going to run a workshop, don't be afraid to run a very small one because you'll learn plenty through that process. Yeah, I'm curious how you felt because I've ran workshops and events, um, and and. and Sometimes, like if my numbers, if, especially first starting out, if my numbers weren't what I expected them to be, uh, it's hard on me, and I've got to like keep face and keep the info and keep the energy in the room and keep people still like upbeat. But I have this little thought in the back of my mind, like how come I didn't hit that that mark? So you had two people in in your first workshop. How did you have thoughts like that? And and if you did, what what are some of the thought processes you went through during that time? Uh, not at that time. I was delighted to have two people. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that was $4,000 uh, divided by two, less the hotel fees. We still ended up we probably made $1,000 or more each for two days' work, which was proof of concept. So I was very excited about that. I've run a lot of workshops. Well, when I say that, I mean, someone who runs 50 workshops a year would laugh at that. Um, but <laughs> as, a, as an online marketer, I've run 12 major events where I've had around about 220 people to those events in that sliding scale. I've always hit my numbers with that. I've never missed out, never felt bad. I've run small intensive workshops. I've run about eight or nine of those where I've had between two and and 20 people and they were high ticket uh, sort of more FaceTime type events and they were fine too. The only one I've missed which I felt bad about was one of my Maldives masterminds where I went for two weeks and I didn't quite fill the second week and I didn't come out of it with a profit. It's the only time I've ever run an event and not made a profit on the front end. And I was disappointed. And that, that was just a, an issue of preference versus performance. A lot of people said they wanted to come. A lot of people went on the waiting list. And then when you put it out there, so I knew that at some point in a decade, I would get my fingers burnt at some stage. But I learned from that. And the following year, this year, uh, I sold the events out a year prior. It's been maxed out for 12 months. Like There's a waiting list for next year. So I'm a year ahead of myself now. And I only booked one week instead of two. So I'm guaranteed a profit. And I'm just keeping it humble. Oh, so I think great. it's inevitable that that you'll have a disappointment, but I just treat it as an investment in experience. It's what can I learn from it, and it it really hurt. But then there were still some positives. I did get uh, significantly better with my surfing over two weeks. Oh, I had a, <laughs> a a professional surfer, like an ex pro, top fifty surfer in the entire world, with me, teaching me how to turn properly and which waves to select. So I was lucky that we weren't over busy so there's always some positive from it but it it did hurt a little bit but i also went through the manuscript of my book on the that two weeks so i pretty much got my book most of the way over the line so there's always some good out of it but it did hurt at the time did you do you have any hobbies james besides uh business work surfing and family I really wouldn't call work as a hobby these days. I, I don't like sitting in my office, my home office, much. I avoid it. 
uh, I've cut down my working hours to about 25 hours a week. So my absolute obsession and hobby is surfing. And I, I don't run out of enthusiasm for that. That's really what I think about most of the time. And I just enjoy it. It's such a daily ritual. And because I've got options with my surf craft, you know, there's any number of configurations I can spend time with. Although lately I have started cooking a lot and I've been sort of restoring my home office, even though my house is quite new. I've been installing that foam stuff to absorb sound and some different decorative back walls and stuff. So I'm, I'm enjoying, you know, I went and bought some tools the other day. I can actually install things and make stuff. So I'm enjoying <laughs> working with my hands again. I used to do that as a kid and I sort of stopped for a long time. I was glued to a laptop. Yeah. Uh, how'd, this, uh, how'd the book go? Tell us the name of the book. The book is called Work Less, Make More. Okay. It went really well. It actually became a bestseller on Amazon. Congrats. For what that's worth. Uh, thank you. It's uh, consistently selling every day. And I just recorded the audible version of it, which is in the submission queue right now. Mm. And I expect because I have a strong podcasting base that that will do really well. And while that's happening, I'm working on the second book and I've got the, the draft in mind for the next book after that. So it's quite a long process for me and I'm getting an early start on it. You know, I've heard some authors are actually getting more royalties from Audible than than from the book publisher. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah. It's usually three to one in our market. So wow. uh, I, I think, um, like, I, I was actually surprised with the royalties from the book. I coach a student who has a number one best-selling marketing book, and he makes six figures a year from his royalties. He's the one who told me to go exclusive with Amazon, with KDP, uh, which means people can rent the book. That mm -hmm. boosted the income. And he also strongly encouraged me to do the Audible. And I'm sitting here looking at a check from Amazon. It really does actually add up. And I never went into the book process thinking that I would make money from the actual book. Of course, a book is a great way for people to find out about you and to learn about the way that you think and to decide if you might be a good fit for whatever else you offer. So a book is a great front end to an actual back end. And this is what's happened with my coaching since the book came out in December. I've got these people coming to me for help who've read the book. So they're pre-formatted with the way that I like to operate. Mm. They know what to expect. They're ready to pay and they're already operating at a high level. And the, the median income for someone that I'm coaching at the higher level has probably doubled in the last few months just because I'm attracting a different type of person. I've actually reset the minimum criteria for who I want to work with on the public-facing website so that I'm much clearer on that. So I think a book is a fantastic conversion tool, but you can actually make money from the book itself, which was a nice surprise. So um, I know you're a fantastic tribe builder, and we talked about this quite a bit on the last podcast. I, I do want to revisit it because um, you're, you're, you're really uh, such a pro at this that I'm sure you have much more information to share. But I do want to ask, um, 
like I, as I've been growing as an entrepreneur and I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years, but I've kind of realized like my tribes shift as I grow and I pick up new ones and I let some other ones go. And then I, I personally get better at attracting different people to come into my tribe, just like kind of like you mentioned. Um, are you part of any other tribes or communities uh, in the entrepreneurial realm and I know you have super fast business that's that, uh, your big tribe um, that you're a part of that you really, really enjoy and get a lot out of. I'm not really. Um, believe it or not, super fast business and Silver Circle keep me fairly well connected. I learn most of the things about the online world through my own members. And um, just the people who I'm working with in Silver Circle, many of them who you've actually podcasted with. I was looking through your inventory of episodes. Oh, really? Can you, can you tell so, me some names? So many. <laughs> oh, was, uh, Wilco, Wilco yeah. and uh, there's John Logar and Peter Moriarty. Uh, yeah. I, there, was, there was like eight or nine that I saw without even going deep into it. Oh, wow. The, lots of seven-figure business owners who – you know, you're building up your education through interviewing them on podcasts. Well, yeah. imagine if you're working behind the scenes with them, growing their business, you know, alongside them, you get to see all of it. And so it's such an education for me. I think I'd risk overload if I went too far outside looking for information. But that being said, I do consume books and Kindles and I listen to, I watch uh, TED Talks and research papers and I scan information so i'm occasionally i'll follow a lead or a breadcrumb that i find somewhere on twitter or facebook or whatever but i'm not really active in facebook i don't like facebook anymore i'm over it i think just 10 years in or however long i've been on there it's enough i like instagram i really do like that i think i didn't get it before but i'm enjoying that a lot and i started using that as a surfer and then then sort of moved more into understanding how it might work for business. So it was sort of nowhere on my spectrum until a year ago. Uh, but I'm not actively involved in other people's communities. I've, I go and visit my own members in different regions, uh, especially in Australia. I've been to Perth and Brisbane and Melbourne, and I go to pretty much every Sydney meetup. And I meet the Londoners when I go over there, which I try and do every year, and... The United States contingency, I'm always seeing them when I go and visit an event. I like to speak at a large event at least once a year and sometimes twice, maybe three times. And that's been good. So yeah, I'm not, not really actively in other groups. I've been in other groups, uh, but I, I've often just, um, I mean, in the beginning, if you go back 12 years ago, I was very active in other people's groups, Warrior Forum. Uh, an affiliate forum, a couple of others. That was my marketing strategy. This was pre-Facebook groups, just to timeline this. There was no Facebook groups. So I went into other people's forums. I paid memberships. I answered a lot of questions. The Excite Pro Forum, and that's a classic. And I, I answered thousands and thousands of posts, and I put my signature link, and I made sales. And then I vertically integrated. I thought, you know what? There's a few things missing from these places, and I think I can do better. And that's when I started mine, which is actually over nine years ago I started my first forum. And then the, the higher level one I started about eight years ago. So I've been doing this for a long time. 
and they keep me busy enough. And the members who come in, uh, you know, the members change over time. It's kind of fluid. But the average retention is off the charts. It's like three years. So um, we, we have a real community there in terms of longevity. Some of these people will have been to six, seven, eight, nine of my events. So you know these people. They're not, not sort of casual acquaintances. I've met most of them in real life. And that's, that's a big differentiator. So I remember on the last last podcast we talked about um, building camaraderie, and and you mentioned specifically on how you focused on building this camaraderie while you were a salesperson at uh, BMW and Mercedes, and building the top sales teams for the car companies. And um, I'm curious, like, how are you applying? Uh, the growth and the camaraderie in in your current tribe, Superfast Business and Silver Circle? Well, local meetups is a secret source. When people meet face-to-face, that transcends the online community. Um, But, you know, the the closest parallel that I have to that feeling that I had in the dealership is what I do with my own team. I'm really closely connected with my team who are in the Philippines, and I've visited them 19 times. I have them around to my house now for dinner and uh, we play games and drink and sing poorly, me. The rest of them sing beautifully. <laughs> and um, that's the magic there. I've been able to take that magic that I had and I've got an amazing team. They are the secret weapon for a location independent business. If you're not going to have an office and staff, you need a team. But people who work just for you and are damn good at it Um, that's where you get wings for your business. In terms of my community, some of the things that I have evolved a lot uh, in the last year especially, I've focused a lot on crafting excellent trainings each month, which are topic-specific. And they're the things that are a conglomerate of the best questions people ask. Now, one thing that I did, which was really extending myself Um, I was going to have a $5,000 per year membership tier. And for that, I was going to offer private coaching one-on-one within the community. But I opened that feature up for all the regular members early and grandfathered them in. And then I started raising my prices last year. I'm on a newer price, but we're still only, I think, not even a third of the way to where I think it should be in terms of the value offered. But through that private coaching, I know when a member joins and they activate the private coaching, which I actually do for them now. So this is a very important point. I don't wait for them to start it because people won't, even if if they're not sure what to say. I started on their behalf. And when they get active in that, they're not going to leave. And that's because the return on investment far outweighs their their spend because they're not going to get that anywhere else, not for under $20,000 a year. Now, you mentioned that you're kind of diving more into Instagram these days. I'm curious, what are what's your strategy for Instagram and what have you seen that's working on that platform? I would, I would definitely, firstly, I'd say I'm no Instagram expert, um, even though some of my clients have been. I've, I've had clients who have got a couple of hundred thousand followers um, that being said, I've got clients who have 250,000 students or um, one of them has half a million YouTube subscribers. I mean, there's some heavy social media hitters in my community. 
Entrepreneurs' systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Hey guys, just a reminder, this is a two-part interview. The second part of James' interview will be published tomorrow, so be sure to check that one out as well. We'll see you on the next episode. Hey listeners, thanks again for joining the show. We wanted to remind you about our Get Shit Done one-on-one productivity coaching that we recently just launched. What we do is work with you to create big business goals that are absolutely game changers. We make a plan together and put you in our productivity hacking system that helps you stay on target. Each week you get a call with yours truly about what's steps to take for the following week. Some say it's like a year of productivity in just three months. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching, thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching.